All right. So, uh, open your Bibles this morning to the book of John, chapter 13. The book of John, chapter 13. So excited that you're here this morning and uh, excited for what the Lord is going to do in our midst. And uh, pray that you have had a blessed week so far. Um, This morning we are starting our new series, uh, I Love My Church. We've been promoting this for about a month. Uh, Many of you have signed up for shorts, shirts, and wristbands. Um, Not shorts, because they don't make those, I guess. But anyway, we should design that. Somebody throw that together. Um, Those have been ordered, are being shipped to us from the company that's that's making these shirts. Um, We don't have them yet. We were hoping to have them this morning for you, uh, but they have not arrived as of yet. And so uh, we're really hoping to have those by um, Sunday of this next week, so you guys will be able to get those during the series. Also, uh, at the Welcome Center, uh, we made one order at the end of August, and so we put the sign-up sheet back out there. If anybody wants to sign up and did not get a chance to uh, in August, you can sign up at any point during the series this month. Uh, you can sign up to get a T-shirt and wristband combo. That's $12, I believe. And then also you can sign up to get a yard sign. There's a table out here in the yacht lobby that's got an example yard sign, T-shirt, wristband, all that's on there. Um, we did have the yard signs come in. Those are here. So if you ordered one of those, uh, you can go to the Welcome Center right after service today and pick that up. Uh, get your yard sign. The stakes come with it. So make sure you grab one of those. And put that out this week. We would love for that to be a great conversation starter for a neighbor or somebody driving by your home. Uh, maybe drives by every single day and they can see that and can just encourage them a little bit. And so just keep that in the back of your mind right after service today. Be sure to do that. Um, but before we get into the message this morning, I wanted to ask us to think about different places or locations and buildings that we eventually have to visit in life. Okay, so don't answer out loud, but think about this. Different locations, buildings, or places that you have to visit eventually as you live this life. Now, I don't mean places like Disney World, right? Because Disney World is a want-to place, right? It's a place we want to go. Well, maybe some of you don't want to go to Disney World, okay? Maybe you're like, that's the last thing on your list, okay? Just a giant Mickey Mouse running around would just make you crazy. But anyway... These are places, not want-to places, but have-to places. Places because it's part of the course of life. This last week, for many, that was school for our students and kids and teens. A school would be an example for the kids of a place that they don't really want to visit, but have to visit. You know what I'm saying? Um, we went school shopping here the weekend before school started, and uh, I was blown away. I have a 7-year-old and an 11-year-old. And in Emily City, uh, sixth grade is middle school. So I have a middle schooler, guys. That's insane. I looked at Sandra. I said, we're not old enough to have a middle schooler. I don't know what happened. They must have messed something up. But I was blown away. All the stuff my sixth grader needs for school. Like his backpack, the first day, he picks it up. He's like, like this. And I was just, oh, this poor kid. Binder for every class. I'm like thinking of the cheap, easy way, right? I said cheap. It was the cheaper way, too. But... I'm like, just get one of those five-subject notebooks and just carry that around with you. That's what I did in junior high. I just carry that around every class. No, no, no. Every class needs a binder. Every class needs a notebook. Every class needs a folder. It was just insane. But kids, this last week, they weren't, some were excited to go back to school, but not because they liked school. My other son, Josiah, is not a fan of school. He loves his friends at school. He loves recess, but school... Mm, not so much. I remember it was like, I think it was the first day. I said, so you're excited to get back to school? And, and, and no, no. No, you're a little excited, aren't you? No. First day, I, I kind of hate school. I was like, well, I told him last year this too. We always have a thing. We always tell our boys whenever they have a bad attitude. And I, I try to apply this to my own life. Can I tell you, I fail. So I try to be gracious to them when they do this. Every morning you wake up, you decide the kind of day you're going to have, Right? We blame all kinds of things on why we have a good or bad day, don't we? A bad hair day. Nothing fits. I, I don't have anything clean to wear. Whatever it might be, okay? I got to do laundry. I got to do that stuff. It's a bad day. Okay? I got to do all this. I got to go to work. It's a bad day, okay? This didn't work out. Bad day. I got a good parking spot. Good day, okay? You decide the kind of day you're going to have. And so I told my sons this last year, almost not every morning, but it seemed like every morning, ah, I don't want to go to school. It's, it's going to be a horrible day. And I tell them, I say, well, you decide the kind of day you're going to have. If you go into school thinking it's going to be a horrible day, guess what kind of day you're going to have? 
Horrible day. And so the first day of school, he's like, I hate school. I don't want to go to school. And I said, well, look, listen, you're going to be going to school for a long time. <laughs> so you might as well learn to accept it and enjoy it, right? But those are places we don't really want to go, but places we have to go. Uh, I want to put up a couple pictures on the screen. And as we do this, um, I want to get your feedback on some of these places. And so in just a moment, we're going to throw an image up there. And I want you to tell me what you feel about when you go to these places. Like, what do you feel when you go to these places? I'm going to try to write some things on the board here. Um, I warn you, I am not the best speller, okay? So let's all just pretend if John spells a word wrong, we all think that's how it's spelled, okay? We're just going to be fine with that, okay? Brown City Education right here, just saying, okay? I, I, can't, I really can't blame Brown City for how I've turned out. That's all on me, okay? That's, those teachers did it. They tried. Man, those teachers tried, but, you know... This doesn't work. So first image I want to throw up here. We're going to put that up there. I think this is the first one. How many of you know what that place is? Secretary of State's office. Mm. Every year we get to walk into that beautiful building and give them all this money for this little tiny sticker that they put on your car. means nothing, by the way. Sticker means nothing. It's just a big... Well, I'll put my word down. This is what I think of, the first thing I think of, okay? It's a giant con, okay? It's a giant con. That's all it is. Give us $145 for two little stickers you put on your vehicle that we don't really need to have on your vehicle, but we just want it on your vehicle because we think you should have this on your vehicle. So give us some money, we'll put it on your vehicle. If you don't have that on your vehicle, we'll give you a ticket. So give us some more money, okay? It's a con. It's racketeering is what it is, Okay? You thought this went out in Chicago in the 30s. No, it's still alive and well, okay? It's just different forms now, okay? So what do you think of when you go to this place? What do you feel? Stress, okay? Someone says stress, okay? <laughs> Anger, okay? <laughs> What's that? Okay, yeah, yeah, poor, okay? I'm not writing all that. It's a limited space, guys, okay? Okay? Stress, anger, poor, what else do you feel when you go to this place? What do you think of when you have to visit this place? What's that? Hates. Okay, I like your hates. Okay, someone said resentment, right? I like that one. Judgmental. <laughs> like you're being judged or you're judging them? Oh, oh, I like that. Judging how they do the process. No joke. Now... I don't know if this is everywhere, but I want to go to the Lapeer one. Uh, a couple years ago, maybe, they changed how you do it. It used to be you'd walk in, you'd grab a number, and you'd go sit down. And you just wait, and you look up. My number is 106, 7. They're on 7, okay? <laughs> 7, okay? Okay, so, but, but now Lapeer has it set up where you go in, and you get in a line, and you go to your little window, and they say, what can we do for you today? And you say, oh, I need to renew these tags. Oh, that's great. Here's your little number. Here's this. Okay, go have a seat. We'll call you in a minute. But you're right here. Can't you just do You got a computer right here. I bet you could get on there and it would do it for you. It'd be great. Okay. So you go sit down and then you wait for what? Then they come up. No joke. Every time I've done that, every time I've been in the, the first line to get in the next line. Now, I'm sure they've done studies on this. I'm sure they figured out this does somehow save time. I feel like when I'm there, that actually does seem to make it go quicker because if you have any questions, that first person will tell you all the answers. Now when you get to the next window, guess what? You don't got to go sit down and come back and sit. You're done, okay? Every single time in the four or five times I had to do that, I'm in line. And every person either in front of me or behind me is saying exactly what Renee just said. Oh, I can't believe. This is ridiculous. We got to stand here and blah, 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 blah. Okay? Yeah, lots of judgmental. Okay, one more, one more. Okay, impatience, okay? Yes, I feel horribly impatient. I'm not a patient person, but I think I can be. And then I go there and I'm just like, just Sandra gets, my leg gets bouncing as I'm sitting there. There's so much other stuff I could be doing right now, okay? All right, next image, second image. Okay, what is that? That's a doctor's office, okay? More specifically, the place we spend the most time at a doctor's office the waiting room. The waiting room. Okay. Now, what's some things you feel when you go to that place? Okay. 
she, somebody caught it. I, I picked this picture on, on purpose because of what's in this image. I never look forward to going to a doctor's office, okay? Now they're trying to get you a little bit like, they think they're serving you faster because they get you out of this room quicker. But guess where you sit after you go to this room? Then you leave this room, you go to another room, and you sit there for another 45 minutes. But you're only in the waiting room for 10 minutes, so somehow it's better. But I would love to go to this waiting room because there's Chick-fil-A in this waiting room. I don't know where this waiting room is, but I want my doctor to have Chick-fil-A just in. Do you notice it's like communal? It's like in the middle of the room. Here, who wants some waffle fries? Here, who wants a chicken sandwich? Let's just all, man, we're all here. We're all sick. Just dip in there. It doesn't matter. We all got the flu anyway. We'll have it when we leave. It's fine. Okay? There's like a whole picnic going on there. It's great. Okay? So hungry. Okay? I, I should have waited, though, because now any of you that, how many of you have had Chick-fil-A? You've actually had the pleasure and the blessing Okay, how many of you have never had Chick-fil-A? Okay, we need to pray. Keep your hands up. Write these names down. Pray for them. Okay? Chick-fil-A is amazing. Okay? Amazing. Okay? So, I picked that on purpose, but some of you are like now thinking about chicken sandwiches from Chick-fil-A or chicken tenders, and you're just like, I'm so hungry. Okay? All right, what else do we think when we go to a doctor's office? What? Worried. Yes, I like that. Okay, what else? Whoa, that was a lot, guys. I appreciate it. Somebody over here. Loss? Loss or lost? Lost, okay. Lost. Somebody else said poor again? We'll just say... What? Oh, bored. I'm going to put poor times two because I feel poor when I go to a doctor's office. That's just me, y'all. I don't know. Okay? So bored. What? Pain. Someone said pain. Frustrated. Germs. Sick. Okay, we're going to stop right there because I don't want to depress anybody else, okay? We're going like, this is taking a weird, like, scary road, okay? Okay, germs. I'm glad somebody said that. You ever go to a doctor's office and you're sitting there and you're not that sick? Like, you got a sore ankle. You, you sprained your wrist. You know, I have two boys, so my oldest son, he's done a lot of things like that, okay? So we're sitting there, and I'm not sick. I'm just waiting to be seen because he's got a wrist or ankle or whatever problem he has in that moment because he thought his bike down the stairs, great idea, so let's try that. <laughs> and the guy next to you is just, <laughs> and you're like, and you try to, you don't want to like, you know, move over and defend the guy, but, and then like some, like, you know, and he feel a little, you know, on the little sprinkles, you guys know, and you're just kind of trying to nonchalantly be, oh, can I get a wet wipe, please, or something? I need to, I need to take care of this situation, okay? All right, so a lot of great things there. Next image, last one. Next image. What's that place? Okay. The, the overall, like, the air getting, grocery store. That was great. That was almost like it was planned. I picked this image on purpose, too, because I think this woman's face describes how we all feel. <laughs> Two things crossed my mind when I saw this woman's face. This was just a Google image. Number one, she does not look like she's having a good time, right? Number two, do you know why she's not having a good time? What? What? She didn't get a cart. After the pizza, she just kept going, and she's realizing, maybe I should, no, I only got a couple more things. Anybody else get to the checkout and realize you should have grabbed a cart? Okay, mostly, mostly I go with the hand basket. You like, I like the hand basket. But you ever get the hand basket, and then you just keep loading it down? But you're too stubborn to go get a cart because you already got the hand basket, and you're like, I'm committed now. I'm going with the hand basket. I've actually, no joke, I've had the handbasket overflowing and stuff in my arms, gone to checkout, and I was a man about it. That's right. Mm -hmm. I'm carrying this. I didn't get a cart. So, okay? Judgment all over the place, okay? So what do we feel when we go to the grocery store? What did you say? Like excitement. Okay? Excited to go to the grocery store. That's true, because guess what? We all need to eat. Okay, so we all need to eat. What else do we feel? Okay, so poor times 
three, okay? All right. What? Okay, anxiety. Okay. Anxiety. That's the one we pretend I spelled it right if it's wrong. What else? <laughs> Times two, okay. Okay, frustrated. Times two. Tired, like that one. <laughs> Ill equipped. Now you're just messing with me trying to see if I can. Okay, ill equipped. What? Tempted, okay. What? Tempted by the deals or the sales or the microwavable food that you shouldn't have? Ice cream? Okay, yeah, guilty for buying junk food. I like that. Okay, we feel tired. Why? Because we usually don't do it at ideal times, right? Because usually what do you, if, if you're like our family, and I know some of you are just perfect, and that's fine. I'm not preaching to you. We're not. Uh, there are many times where we will go, and Sandra will be like, I'll ask Sandra, I'll come home for lunch, and I'll say, hey, what's for dinner? And she'll give me that look. And I know the look now after 13 years. It just means, don't ask me that question because I have no idea. But I don't want to say out loud I don't know what I'm going to do for dinner because that would make me a horrible wife. So don't make me acknowledge I'm a horrible wife right now. And I just look at it and I say, whatever you make will be fine. It'll be great, okay? But there's been times where, like, do you ever have this happen? You go to make something and you realize, oh, I didn't get that. Or I didn't go to the store like I thought I was going to. Anybody ever been here? Okay. Many of us fall into this trap, okay? So we have to end up, like, rushing through it, okay? It's really bad to go to the store, what? Because you buy stuff you don't. Yeah, okay? When I think of grocery store, I think of one thing. Microwave, okay? If it is not microwavable and I am by myself, it's not being purchased. You know what I'm saying? Okay? Sandra's like, she told me one time, hey, I like the applause back there. I like that. Amen. <laughs> Testify. Um, Sandra doesn't like taking me grocery shopping, okay? Not just because I can't stand still. That would drive any of you crazy. It's because she always says something similar whenever we go to grocery store. She says, you know, whenever I come with you, I always spend more money. Now, I've gotten better. I've gotten better. But I'm the kind of shopper that's like, oh, we haven't had that in a while. We should get that. And she pulls out her list. And I, I tease. Honestly, i got to tell you guys, and I'm not just saying this because she's in the room. Uh, she is amazing when it comes to this stuff. I've, I've told her before she should do her own, like, blog or vlog or whatever, that, whatever they do now. I don't know what it is, okay? Videos online that people watch because she just got some great tips and, and strategies that she uses. But... When I go with her, I'm always like amazed. She's got all this stuff laid out. Boom, boom, boom. We're going to hit this store and get this and this deal. And Meyer's got this and this and this. I'm tired just watching her figure out how she's going to do all this. And then she's like, and we're going to get it for the whole month. That's crazy. But she does. She does. She figures it all out. Okay. But how many of us actually like the idea of standing in line at a grocery store, waiting, checking? There's one thing really common with all of these things. You guys can put that... I love my church one back up there. We're done with that right now. But one thing that's come, I just picked three, by the way. There's other places we could have picked or whatever. Here's the thing I want you to notice missing on this list. Nobody said love. Nobody said, I feel love when I go to these places. And here's my question for you. And this is where we got to kind of start bringing it down to the message. How many of us either have been tempted or do, don't answer out loud, feel the same way in some of these things about our church. And here's what I mean. If I put a picture of the church up there, and I said, how do you feel about this place? And it was a picture of our church. Now, I know we're in church, and so many of us would be tempted to just throw up the church answer. And some of you genuinely mean it, and that's awesome. That's why I I genuinely do love my church, because we really do mean There's a lot of people in our church that genuinely love our church. But there are many, many Christians that if you put a picture of their church up on the screen and said, tell me how they feel about it, they would say things like frustrated, annoying, right? I don't don't really get what I want. They don't really understand me. I don't feel loved there. So therefore, I don't love them. I don't love my church. I wonder to myself how many people would think uh, that don't attend church or that haven't been in church in a long time. If you put, ask them, how do you feel about going to church, some of them might give similar answers to what we would give for the Secretary of State. It's just this place I don't really want to go to. I kind of have to go to it, Christmas and Easter. 
So I go, but I really don't want to be there. So I have to ask the question, is that really what God intended his church to be? For Christians to go to church, not because it's a want-to place, but a have-to place. It's not a place we want to visit. It's a place we have to visit. I believe, truly, that the church is meant to be so much more than just a place we go to because we have to. And I want to look at a verse in Scripture, and I want to see what Jesus says about this idea of what do disciples of Christ, what are we as followers of Christ, what, are we greatest, what is our greatest evidence that we are followers of Christ and therefore his church? Look at John chapter 13 and verse 34. He says this, a new commandment, John 13, 34, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. Listen now, verse 34 is really popular. We like 34, but listen to verse 35. By this, it says, by this truth, by what truth? By the love you have for one another. By this shall all men know, wow, shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. In two verses, he says, love one another three times. And he reminds us the love that we have for one another is the love that he has for us. Isn't that amazing? Man, that he loves you so much. He gave everything to you. Ephesians chapter 5 says it so well. He says that husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And how did he evidence his love for the church? He gave himself for her. So when he says here, love each other as I have loved you, you know what he's saying? That self-sacrificing love that I gave for you, you should love the church. You should love other disciples, other believers with that kind of a love. And I think that is very easy to say. And we're going to talk about, I'll give you a kind of a, a snapshot of the whole series this morning. Kind of tag some things and then we're going to unpack it in the next four weeks following this week. But we're also going to talk about when that doesn't seem so easy. And so here's what I'm going to do. I want to bow in a word of prayer. And I want to ask the Lord to speak to us this way because I truly believe that we need to understand at a deep level what does it really mean to love one another. And so let's do this. Let's bow in a word of prayer and ask the Lord to speak. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. And we do thank you for the church. And Father, we've said it before, but it's worth saying again that so many Christians that say they've received Christ and, and, and experienced conversion from their sins to, to being a saint from a sinner, that they have discovered what it means to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for their forgiveness of sins, that they surrender their life to you, they say they've been changed, and you're so many of us as Christians, we, just, we look at your church as kind of an afterthought. It's not really that big of a deal. I mean, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian, so, so church becomes secondary. Church because, becomes the first thing on the priority list that gets cut away when I just don't have time. And Lord, I, I don't know, I guess maybe it's just me, and, and I see in your word where, where this idea of church, this idea of believers coming together to encourage and support each other, I believe that is vital to our walk with you. Lord, how can we say we love you, but we don't think we need your bride? How can we say we love you, but we disrespect and dishonor and ignore your body? How can we say we love you, but ignore the very thing that you created to cause change in this culture? How can we say we love you, but deny the place that is the one place we utilize our spiritual gifts more than anywhere else? And so, Father, I pray not for someone to feel obligated today. That's, that's not the goal. I pray that as we talk about this, that we would just understand what it is to love your church, the importance of it, the vital nature that it plays in our walk with you, in our understanding of you, in our discipleship, and how we disciple others. But Lord, also how we reach this world for Christ, how we partner with missionaries all over the world. And so, Lord, in all these things, we pray for clarity, not just this morning, Lord, but for this whole series. I pray, Lord, that everyone in this room will commit right now, this morning, and say, I'm going to be here every Sunday for the next four weeks. 
And I know that's so hard for some to commit to, but I truly believe that if we make time and we make it a priority, we will always find time to, to do the things that we feel are important to do. We will always make time for the things that we feel are important enough to do. And so I just pray, Lord, that you'd help us to make church important enough to be committed to this series, that we could grow in this understanding, be discipled by your word, and be, go forth into this world to make disciples. Lord, we love you, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Here Jesus tells us that the clear evidence of his church, the gathering of his disciples, he says the disciples, when disciples come together, that's a church. The church could best be defined as a gathering of regenerated believers. So we have received Christ, and therefore by his Holy Spirit, the word says that we are regenerate, we are made new, right? Ephesians chapter 2, we were dead and now we're alive. Man, Jeff's song was awesome this morning. Right? We were, we were dead and dead are now being raised to life. Spiritually dead. Right? I say it this way. If I went outside right now and I cut a limb off a tree and I brought that limb in here and I laid it before us. We've been talking about this on Tuesday nights actually. And I said, here's a tree limb and I held it up to you. Is that limb disconnected from the tree, is it alive or is it dead in that state? It's dying. Right? It's in the state of dying. Okay? It's longer alive. Why do I say it's not alive? Because it's disconnected from what gave it life. Now, but does it look alive? Looks green? Looks good. And it might do that for a little while, but then slowly what starts to happen? The outside begins to show the evidence of the what? The inner death. This is why Jesus said, you Pharisees are like whitewashed tombs. You look really alive on the outside, but inside, dry bones, dead bones. And so many are walking around in the world today that don't know Christ, and they look alive, and they're acting alive, and they're breathing, and they're talking, and they're interacting with other people, but inside, the Bible says they are dead. That they are disconnected from the one that gives life. And so what do we do when we come to Christ, we're reconnected to that vine, to that life source, and we're given life again. And now we can actually live life, not just the life, but what kind of life? Abundant life, the Bible says. And by the way, the abundant life has nothing to do with what you own or don't own. The abundant life has nothing to do with what's in your checking account. There is a movement right now that is just taking the world by storm. It's one of the most popular movements. It's the fastest growing movement. It's the prosperity gospel and the word of faith movement. This is the stuff you see on TV where you can just say it and it'll happen. And if it doesn't happen, it's your fault. You don't have enough faith. You want a million dollars? Just say, I want a million dollars. And if a million dollars doesn't come, it's not the guy on TV's fault who told you that, although he's twisting scripture, taking it out of the context and lying to you. Not his fault. It's your fault. You don't have enough faith. This is just rampant. Man, the life that Christ gave us, when you make it about the stuff, you're making it so meaningless. Man, is that really all God can do is give you stuff? That's what he meant by abundant life was the size of the house you live in and the type of car you drive. And Please. I always look at it this way. Whenever you hear a preacher talk about how your life should look, compare it to the, what, he, what the Bible says about the life of Christ. And if we can't match those two things up, then this guy's lying because we know Jesus never lied. So this guy that says, hey, you need to preach this and speak this, and if you're not speaking this and doing this, don't say this. Have a big house. Have a big car. Jesus didn't even have a place to lay his head, the Bible says. So before we start thinking, oh, because then what's left to say is, well, maybe Jesus didn't have enough faith then. Maybe Paul, who was beaten, shipwrecked, and tormented, thrown in prison, left for dead, maybe he didn't have enough faith. Man, see, the church is not about what we get. The church is about what we can give. And not just to each other, but to our Savior. We come this morning not to just receive. And we will receive, by the way. I, I pray that through the music alone, through the prayer, through the reading of God's word, through just teaching this morning, that you've already been uplifted a little bit. You've already received from what the Lord has for you. We receive when we come to fellowship together with believers. When we come as believers who have been saved and redeemed and we come to worship him, man, it's about emptying out what we've been given. More than it's about. And then guess what? As you're emptying out, guess what his Holy Spirit will do? Begin to fill you back up. So you can go out and empty it out and get filled back up. We've got too many churches full of too many sponges that are getting stagnant. You know what I'm saying? Now we're soaking up, we're soaking up, we're soaking up, but we ain't wringing it out anywhere. 
And this is where people will say the next part of this whole idea that you don't need church. They'll say, right, so we go to church once, we get all this stuff, then we go out into the world, and that's when we're really the church. Do you know what's funny is the church is only really ever mentioned when we come together to worship. When we're out there, we're just called disciples. But church is the gathering together of the body of Christ to edify the body, to worship Christ, to promote Christ, to serve each other. That's the church in the New Testament. But people now, there's this movement. It's either you have to go to church to be saved, or because you're saved, you don't have to go to church, so don't ever go. You can just go live in the world and do whatever you want. Church is an afterthought. If you have time, sure, go ahead and go. Man, that is so far from the truth. I don't know about you. When I miss a Sunday because we're out of town or something, it messes with me. Man, I love being here. Well, come on, pastor. You're the pastor. (laughs) If you don't love being here, you're in the wrong profession, right? Okay? But that's not what I mean. Listen, seriously, we need to desire to come together. What does Hebrews say? Forsake not the assembling. Oh, that's an interesting word. Maybe that means we're supposed to assemble together. Then it says to do what? Not to, I can't believe they wore it. I can't believe they, I can't believe. No, no, no. To provoke one another unto good works in love. Why? So we can lift each other up. And guess what? The more we see that day approaching, the Bible says, that means the worse it's getting in the culture, we should come together more, the Bible says. Do you know what churches, most churches in America are doing right now? I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying it's a trend. Most churches are saying this. Because people aren't coming to all of our services, we're just going to have less services. So since nobody comes, we don't have a service. And we don't have a service. Most churches are meeting on Sunday morning. I'm saying most. Most predominant churches, big churches, all these kind of things. The trend right now in church, like thinking. I tell you, I get all kinds of stuff for conferences and stuff. And this is what's being promoted. Sunday morning and meet once through the week somehow in a small group. That's it. And here's their logic. Because you can't get them to come more than that. I'm, I'm letting you in on the, this is like the inside scoop, okay? This is what pastors talk about behind closed doors. Literally, you know what they talk about? How can we get our people to be more involved? I go to pastor's meetings, and they'll tell me, man, it's, we're struggling to get volunteers. I was just at a church a couple weeks ago. I was there a year ago and spoke at this church on a Wednesday night. I was there just in August, spoke again at this church. Great church, big church, a few hundred people, four, five, six hundred people. I don't know what it is now. Do you know a year ago they were asking for help in a four- and five-year-old's class? Guess what they asked for in August? We still need to teach in that four- and five-year-old's class. I'm, I'm not saying this. You go, oh, okay, fine, I'll go. I want you to know this is what church is becoming in America today. And I have to ask, is that what this recommends? Is that what this looks like? Is church in this matching church what we see today? And if church today doesn't match church in the New Testament, shouldn't that bother us that are believers? Shouldn't we look at the church and go, well, wait a minute. This isn't this. So something must be wrong with not this, but this. And I'm not saying just our church. Because I'm telling you guys right now, we've picked up three. That's right, three first-time volunteers that are serving on Wednesday night. It's amazing. Oh, I'd say that. I'm sorry, two. Two on Wednesday night. We've got a new one this summer in junior church. Another one that was right in the spring in junior church. Stepping up. Hey, I want to serve. What can I do? How can I help? What do you need? It's amazing to see people just stepping up. But guess what? We always have more needs. We always need more teachers, more people to say, hey, I'll serve. Hey, you know what? I'll step out of that Sunday morning service a couple times a month, and I'll go teach junior church. Now, I've been able to soak up a lot in my life. Let me go bring some of that out into those young lives. Love on them and encourage them. This is why our statement for our church, this is our mission statement. This is what we believe the church is supposed to be. Our mission statement as a church is simple and direct. It's in your bulletins at the very bottom of your bulletin. It's been in there for years. We believe we are a kingdom-focused church. A kingdom-focused church means we're focused on building his kingdom, not our kingdom. We're focused on his kingdom. What would he have us to be focused on? How would he have us to live our lives? How would he have us to use our finances? How would he have us to direct our priorities? What are his goals for the church? What are we supposed to be doing as a church, as individuals? So what does a kingdom-focused church look like? Well, the statement goes on. A kingdom-focused church that loves God, loves others, and loves to serve. 
We are a church that desires to love God first and foremost. What did he say? The greatest of the commandments is this. Love the Lord your God with all of you. I'm summarizing that. Then he says what? Love your neighbor as yourself. So I believe we love God with all of us. We love others. We love our neighbors as ourselves. And how do we demonstrate love for others? By loving to serve one another. That's why our mission statement is simple, but I believe it's the greatest way we can put into words what we're called to do as a church. Quickly, I got to go. I'm running out of time already. Okay. So as we unpack this over the next few weeks, this is just the introductory message, so wait till next week. Um, how, what is this? I mean, like, I uh, can't wait. What does intentional love for the church look like? Over the next four weeks, we're going to unpack these things. The first thing we notice, intentional love for the church looks like this. It's love by connecting. Love by connecting. Being in a community with each other is more than just knowing where someone sits on a Sunday morning. Now, i got to say this, though. Some of y'all mess with me, and you know who you are. I'm not going to name names. But Bill and Becky, I'm just kidding. I was totally going to name names. I was going to name names the whole time. I was just lying. Um, Oh, last few weeks, they're back where they usually sit now. But last few weeks, they've been moving around on me a little bit. Some of y'all mess with me like this. You move around. I, I literally would be like, oh, so-and-so's not here today. Why? Because they weren't in their seat. If you're back there and you're supposed to be up here, I didn't know you were here. Sorry. I'm, and I'm judging you in my head. Oh, they weren't there again. I'm, I don't do that. I'm kidding. For visitors that are here, I'm just kidding. I don't really do that. i got to remind myself we might have visitors that don't know. I'm kidding, okay? Um, Sandra judges you. I don't. She might judge you. I won't, okay? <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. But sometimes church can kind of just boil down to, like, yeah, we see each other on Sunday morning. That's why, guys, listen, I love our greet time. I really do. I know a lot of churches have gotten rid of greet time. It's too traditional and all this stuff. I love interacting with each other because some of you can't be here early. But let me tell you this. You know the best way to connect with each other? If you don't have time during the week, you don't think to connect with one another, you can just do this. We have a whole time set up from 9.45 till 10, right, well, right before service starts. You can come early and you can interact with people, get to know them. Maybe start talking to another couple or another person about, hey, I'd love to have you over for dinner sometime. What works for you? Let's plan something. I want to just get to know you. And so I'm telling you guys, sometimes the best way to connect is to stop just showing up when service starts and leaving when service is over, but just get to know each other. But if you can only really do that because of your scheduling and stuff, that's fine. Then that's why we do greet time. I will say this, though. When greet time ends, and it's pretty obvious when greet time ends, there's this whole band of people that come back up on the stage, and they pick up microphones, and they look at you like this. So when, that, when, when they get up on stage, you can stop talking now. Just they, they wouldn't say it like that. They would say it much more gracious. I'm just telling you what it is, okay? But when you come and you greet together, isn't it awesome to just... Man, I've seen people praying back here during greet time. I've seen people just bawling their eyes out, laughing, hugging on each other. I hear people saying all the time, like, how's your week, Ben? Man, it's just amazing to see. I can guarantee you, I don't know if they did, but I can guarantee you somebody has already asked Andy and Will Vaughn how they're doing with Hunter leaving. I bet you somebody stopped them and said, how are you doing? How's it going? Praying for you. Praying for him. Do you know how great that is to be in a church where people take a vested interest in you? Get together outside of church. Spend time together. Now, here's what I'm not saying. Because someone's going to go like the pastor says, we have to have somebody over our house every single weekend. We've got to always have people over. No! Don't do that. P.S. If you're a husband here and you have the spiritual move to invite a family or a couple over your house, please, please, please do not talk to that couple until you have had a conversation with your wife. Because there is nothing that will get you in more trouble than with the couple there. Walk over to your wife and go, hey, honey, so-and-so wants to come over for dinner tomorrow night. That's okay with you, right? Your wife is in like DEFCON 1. Like she's thinking, food, cleaning the house. Oh my goodness, what am I going to do this? this? So listen, men, I'm just, this is all free marriage advice too. I'm not even charging for this. Talk to your wife before you invite. Okay? It's super easy. Talk to your wife before you invite. Okay? 
We can all memorize that. So think, talk to my wife before I invite. I should go talk to my wife, okay? I'm not saying everyone in this church is going to hang out with every person in this church all the time, outside of church. There are people in churches. Church is full of people with personalities, and some people in the church you click with better than others. That's not wrong. Let's just be honest. That's not bad. Some personalities get along better than others. That's fine. You're still kind and friendly and gracious and all that to everyone else. We're friendly to everyone. But if there's some people that you start to kind of be friends with, and you're like, oh, I feel kind of bad because I'm not inviting every single person over to my house, you don't have to. Just build some relationships outside of church is all we're saying. And enjoy the relationships. Being connected to one another also ensures that no one stands alone. Do you notice in John chapter 13 how many times he says one another? This one another? This is a common theme throughout all of the New Testament. There is definitely an idea that the church is defined by the one another's of the faith. Love one another. Serve one another. Honor one another. Pray for one another. Be there for one another. So here's what I encourage you to do. Think of one another and connect. We also love by serving. We love by connecting. We love by serving. God has gifted his church with gifts that can encourage and minister to those in the church. We are going to unpack that more this next couple of weeks. But the point is that we are using our spiritual gifts to build up the lives of the church. We also love by giving. And I know that we talked about this a couple weeks ago in the Conversations with God series. We talked about tithing. Uh, This is going to be a little different, not quite the same type of message. But the idea is that we understand that giving is a great indicator of love, time, of our, of, our, of our money, finances sometimes, of our conversations, right? Calling someone, writing a card, those kind of things. So we love by connecting, we love by serving, we love by giving, and we love by sharing. We must take what we have been given beyond the walls of the church and share the love of Christ and his gospel with those around us. We share in and we share out. Both are vital to the church. We all learned when we were in preschool that to love is to share. To love is to share. Now, this all sounds good and easy. This all sounds good and easy to just love my church. But the truth is, some of us have struggled with this idea in our Christian lives. We have no issue as Christians whatsoever loving Jesus, but we might have a very difficult time loving the church that he established. We love Jesus, we have a hard time loving his church. So when I don't love my church, what would make me not want to love my church? Two things real quick. I don't love my church because of the people and the hurts. One area that we struggle with loving our church is the people and the hurts. The people that have hurt me or the people in my church. I just have a hard time with that. If you have spent much time in any church, you have learned that not everyone who goes to church is a Christian or acts like a follower of Christ would act. Do you know why that's true? Because there's no perfect church. This, that church you grew up in, mm, that little church you love so much, wasn't a perfect church then. It's not a perfect church now. I love my church, but I know our church isn't perfect. Do you know why I know my church isn't perfect? Because I'm not perfect. And if an imperfect pastor is leading a church of imperfect people, then we're not perfect, but we're striving for excellence. We're striving for Christ-likeness. We're striving to be faithful You know that God never calls us to be perfect, but he always calls us to be faithful? Just be faithful. You know what that means? When you have a great day and you witness to somebody and, man, just God is blessing, you praise him because it's all him anyway. And when you have a horrible day and you blew it, missed your devotions, had really bad thoughts about your coworker, said really bad things about your coworker, were really mean to someone, and you laid your head on your pillow at night and the Holy Spirit began to convict you and you realized, man, I blew it today. You are faithful when you say, God, I repent of those things and I ask that you'd forgive me for those things and help me to make amends with those people. Help me to live differently tomorrow. Faithfulness is not just when you do it all right. Faithfulness is saying, I blew it when I blew it. And that's what it means to not be perfect. So if the church is full of imperfect people, then the church is not perfect. So imperfect people do imperfect things. So somebody in a church somewhere might have hurt you, might have said something to you, We have all taken our eyes off the Lord and made decisions that hurt someone else. Isn't it so funny? When we're hurt by somebody else, we suddenly forget all the hurts we've done to others. We suddenly forget that I have screwed up and said something hurtful to someone else. And all of a sudden, we're the only ones that could possibly understand what it means to be hurt, even though we've hurt others. With our words, 
or with our actions. So is it okay that they hurt you? No. Or we start realizing, man, if, if Christ could forgive me after the way I've hurt him, then maybe I can forgive this person. And maybe I can move forward. While hard and difficult and takes time, it is hard, it is difficult, it takes time, but it's not impossible. We must not let past hurts rob us of the joy and blessing that come as being a part of his church. So why don't I love my church? Because of the people and the hurts. We've all seen crazy things in church to some degree. It was only, I was only in ministry for two years before our church had a church split. And I saw some people that I considered spiritual giants act in ways that I would call nothing other than childish. And I am not judging them because I've been there too. I'm just telling you that's how I could describe their, their habits and their, their tactics during that time. And I'm so thankful that so many of them since that part have repented, have said, man, I was wrong. I know I didn't handle everything right back then. But you're in ministry for two years as a youth pastor and you see all of this. Man, I had a friend of mine in ministry tell me, uh, leave now. No joke. Leave, get out now. Don't stay. You know why? Because their experience was so negative in church. They just were like, get out. But man, I'm so thankful by God's grace that he allowed Sandra and I to stay a part of this church. Because I've been able to see God do tremendous things in this church. And I truly believe we just scratched the surface. I don't think we've even seen the full picture. So, why don't I love my church? Quickly, because I don't love the people. Or I don't love how I've been treated at times. The second one, this is going to hit a little harder for some of us. Don't amen it. Don't nod your head. I'm not even looking at anyone. Another reason why I don't love my church is because I am not central in my church. Just going to let that hang out there for a minute. I have a hard time loving my church because I am not central in my church. What I mean is, some people will not love a church if they cannot be the center of attention. That sounds silly for some of us, but for others, they have seen this to be true. Someone thinks they are, as Tom Blount, the previous pastor, would always say, hot snot on a cold platter. I have no idea what that means. But as I was writing this, that kept coming to my mind. I thought, in homage to Tom, I'm just going to say it. They come into a church and they think literally they're hot snot on a cold platter, that they are it, that they should have all the influence. The church should listen and serve their wants. We had somebody tell somebody one time, you should listen to those that tithe because we give the money. That person was lovingly said, we will pray for you, but there's the door. You might say, oh, I can't believe you tell somebody that. If somebody comes to me and says, I give the biggest check, you better do what I want, I would say, well, man, I'm sorry, we're going to be losing your tithe. But this is how people think in church. I'm central or we're central because we give the most money or because we have the most influence or I think I'm the best. I call this type of effect in church and in an individual the Corinthian effect. You can coin that if you'd like. I don't know if it's out. That's what I call it. I call it the Corinthian effect. In the church at Corinth, they use the gifts of the Spirit to promote self. Certain believers start to elevate themselves as an influence in the church for notoriety or position rather than humbly submitting to the Lord and allowing the Spirit to use their influence to the glory of God. We must learn to love our church in a genuine and self-sacrificing way. We don't love the church like we love a good restaurant, one that serves our every need and always gives us what we want when we ask for it. Some of us love church, our church like we love a good restaurant that serves me well, that gives a great product like I asked for. No, no, no. Rather than that, we love the church by intentionally and actively elevating those in the church above self. Philippians says it this way, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who though equal with God, reputation equal with God, humbled himself and took on the self the form of a servant, even went to the cross. He humbled himself. Why? So that the church could be saved. And so we come into church and we think somehow it's all about us. Man, it's not about me. It's not about this worship team. It's not about the deacons. Ask any one of our deacons and they will tell you it is not about them. And that is why I'm so thankful to serve with those men. Ask our teachers, junior church teachers, ministry leaders. They'll tell you, oh man, it's not about me. It's about promoting his kingdom. While it can seem difficult at times, we can and should love our church, not because our church has better this or that than another church. That's the other thing I hear people saying, you should come to my church. We have a better band than this church. We have better programs in this church. If you're selling your church to someone, stop. Stop. 
It is not a competition of who can put the best praise band on the stage. It's not who does the best Christmas program. It's I love my church because it's my church. It's his church. And I love my Savior, so I love the church that he's allowed me to connect with. We don't allow consumerism in. We don't compare this or that, this product to that church. We love our church because it is the body of Christ. We must not stop loving our church because some other church has a better this or that or because we have been burned by someone in the church. Our love for Christ, that love that he gave us, can give us a love to overcome the obstacles of relationships and hurts when people sin against us. I am truly so excited for the next four weeks because I believe that when we love our church, we can see great things happen in and through our community as we're connected to the church. And so here's what I'm going to do. I want to close in a time of invitation. And here's what I'm going to ask. Super simple invitation. If you are here and you know Christ is your Savior and you are not part of a local church and you want to find out more about that, maybe you'd come and pray and say, God, is this the church you'd have me to be a part of? Would you open my eyes and give me wisdom there? If you're here and you're a part of our church, you're an attender or a member of our church and you're not serving, but God has been impressing on your heart an area of ministry that you can get involved in. Maybe you'd come and pray and say, God, would you give me wisdom in that? Affirm this. That's what you want me to do. But if you're here this morning and you just want to come and say, God, I just want to come and praise you for your church. I just want to thank you for a body of believers that encourages me and supports me and loves me even when I'm not perfect. Maybe we, the church has said things to you that you knew, meaning the body of believers, have told you what you needed to hear, not what you wanted to hear at a time in your life. And now looking back on it, you're like, God, thank you for that. I didn't want it then, but I'm so thankful for it now. Maybe the church has influenced you in some way and you want to come and just praise God for it. Maybe you want to praise him for his salvation and say, God, thank you for saving me. Or maybe you want to receive Christ if you don't know him. Whatever it is, would you respond to him as we bow in prayer and as the band comes to lead us in a song of invitation. Heavenly Father, Lord, we ask that as only you can, that you would lead us and guide us. Lord, as we are here today, we are so thankful for your church. We are thankful that you did all that you did so that we could know you as Savior. We promote you, we elevate you, and we ask that we would love your church as much as you did and as much as you do. Father, we know we're not a perfect church, but we're not trying to be a perfect church. We're just trying to be your church. Thank you for saving us and using us. And may we use our gifts that you've given to us faithfully in the ministry of what you've called us to. Lord, if there's somebody here that doesn't know you as Savior, I pray that before they leave this place, they'd realize it's not about religion. It's not about denomination. It's about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, repenting of their sins, turning to you, receiving your forgiveness humbly submitting to you for the rest of their lives. Father, would you do what you need to do this morning? Holy Spirit, lead God and direct them.